Welcome to Civil War Talk Radio with host Jerry Prokopovich. Our program covers all aspects of Civil War history, from the battlefields to the home fronts, and features guest experts, plus insight from your host as they discuss the most critical period in American history. Now, here is your host, Jerry Prokopovich. This is Jerry Prokopovich with Civil War Talk Radio. They say that history is written by the winners, but writing history and getting it read are two different things. Veterans of the victorious Army of the Potomac certainly wrote about their Civil War experiences, but for more than a century after the war, Confederate voices dominated the historical narrative. That's been changing in recent years, and a new book by Vincent L. Burns is part of that trend. It's called Voices of the Army of the Potomac, Personal Reminiscences of Union Veterans. Join us for a talk with the author tonight on Civil War Talk Radio. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Civil War Talk Radio. If you have a question or comment about our program, please send an email to prokopovichg at ecu.edu. That's P R O K O P. O-W-I-C-Z-G at E-C-U dot E-D-U. Now, back to Civil War Talk Radio. And welcome to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, coming to you from our usual haunts on the third floor of the Brewster Building on the campus of East Carolina University. It is not in the state of East Carolina. There is no such state. It's in North Carolina, Greenville, North Carolina. It's part of the University of North Carolina system. But I'm not speaking for the system or for ECU or anyone else, just myself. And my guest, likewise, speaks only for himself tonight, as we always do here. Well, it's the, uh, what is it, the first weekend of May, 2022. The uh, spring is over. It's 80 degrees outside here in North Carolina, so we're into summer already uh, after about a week of beautiful weather. Uh, So nice that I went to the ball game last Sunday. ECU swept the Cincinnati Bearcats in uh, baseball. Uh, That's ECU's best varsity sport every year, and they are in first place in the league. It was nice to go. I think it was the first game I went to since the the COVID arrived, and it was fun to sit out there and get some sun. Uh, Definitely enjoyed it. Since it's the last week of the semester, first week of May here, it's final exam time, and... uh, Normally, I would not be with you tonight uh, doing a live show. We we have uh, we had a final exam today in the uh, U.S. History Survey course, so I've got 75 blue books and 
other things to grade uh, within a day or two because graduation is Friday and we have to get them done before people can officially leave. I put my grad students, I have two grad assistants I put to work on it. Uh, so I could be with you tonight because there will be no live show next week or the week after. It's time for the annual Stephen Ambrose Historical Tours, This Hallowed Ground. I'll be out on the road uh, collecting ideas and buying books and talking to people for future shows. So, uh, and hopefully seeing some of you there as well. Uh but since there won't be a live show the next two weeks, so that I better do it tonight, even though I've got this stack of books confronting me. Uh, it is nice to be at the end of the semester. We, uh, we finished up the Civil War course. Those exams have been graded. The grades turned in. And uh, <clears throat> the end of the semester always means one of my favorite classes of the year is the Peace of the Civil War assignment. I ask students to bring in a piece of the war, some way the war relates to them. And every year they... they some of them panic and don't know what to do. Others have some artifact they can bring in. Today I got a very nice email from a, a student, a, uh, a non-traditional student that is somebody closer to my age than to the students, the 20-year-old the student's age. And when he did his piece of the war, he brought some beautiful photographs of places he'd lived that had Civil War connections. It was very appropriate. But in his email today, to me, he... he mentioned that he had spent many happy times on the farm of Levon Helm in upstate New York. Uh, of course, he's the lead singer, one of the lead singers for the band and their 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 classic hit for you, you non-boomers listening, uh, The Night They Drove Old Dixie Down. People my age all know that song. That would have been a piece of the Civil War for him to have told the class about, hey, I know Levon Helm, or, or knew him, and, and uh, that I'm sure he must have heard him sing that song at some point. That's, when I tell students everyone has a connection to the war, that's what I'm thinking of. In one way or another, whether you lived somewhere, uh, somehow we all have some something that links us uh, in person. Uh, and if we were still in that class, I'll say I would have uh, used the news that people have been talking about the last few days. This is the first week of, of uh, May 2022, so if you're listening a, a year from now, everyone's buzzing about the Supreme Court having an opinion revealed early, uh, a leak from the Supreme Court. Not here to talk politics by any means, but rather if this were a class, I'd make it a teaching moment and talk about 1856, the last time something like that happened, when uh, one of the justices in 1856 released the Dred Scott opinion to incoming President James Buchanan, who then went ahead and used it in his inaugural address. Well, he didn't use it. He, he used his foreknowledge. He told everyone, you know, whatever the Supreme Court says, I don't know what it's going to be, whatever it is, everybody get on board and agree with it, because it's the Supreme Court. Now, of course, he knew it was going to be a radical pro-slavery decision that would support his policies. Uh, it's hard to imagine he would have said that if the decision were going the other way. And, in fact, uh, it backfired uh, when it became clear that he, he knew in advance what was happening, that that led Lincoln to his famous uh, comment in the Lincoln-Douglas debates about Stephen, Franklin, Roger, James, uh, Stephen Douglas, Franklin Pierce, 
Supreme Court Justice Roger Taney and James Buchanan, all seeming to be doing the same thing at the same time. Is this a conspiracy? If they all show up at the same place and they've all got timber that perfectly fits together to form a cabin, you have to assume there was some planning there. That was that was Lincoln's argument, and uh, and people were unhappy with that decision. So uh, no one knows why this decision was leaked this week, or even what the intent was, but it, it backfired in 1856, whatever it was meant to do. So uh, we'll see what happens. We'll also see what happens on this show. I mentioned no live show next week, May 11th or May 18th, still traveling. Back here, though, on May 25th, tentatively scheduled is Mike Somerville of the UK Civil War Roundtable, and also the book he wrote, Bull Run to Boer War, How the American Civil War Changed the British Army. Should be interesting to talk about. And then we'll have Elizabeth Leonard on the show in June with her new biography of Ben Butler, subtitled A Noisy, Fearless Life. Uh, noisy, definitely a well-chosen word. Should be fun to talk about. And uh, our last guest for the year on, on June 8th, Sarah Purcell, is a book called Spectacle of Grief, Public Funerals and Memory in the Civil War Era. On the 15th I'll be of June, I'll be at the Civil War Institute, Gettysburg College. I hope some of you will, too. And I'll do a show from there, uh, almost live. Maybe I'll record it first. Uh, and that'll wrap up our 21-22 season. We'll be back with, what is it, the 19th, 20th season we're getting on here uh, when we come back in the fall. So lots going on, but let's get to uh, our, our subject tonight. Uh, the topic is a book called Voices of the Army of the Potomac, Personal Reminiscences of Union Veterans. The author is Vincent L. Burns. Mr. Burns, are you there? Yes. Uh, well, uh, very happy to be here, too. Well, well, welcome to the show. Glad to have you. Um, in in our email, you you signed your name, uh, Vinny. Uh, is is that an appropriate uh, nickname? Can I use that? Yeah, that's what I go by. Yeah, excellent. Excellent. I go by Jerry. Don't no one calls me Gerald except uh, uh, my late mother used to. Uh, and then I knew I was in trouble. So uh, uh, Vinny and Jerry, that will work. So Vinny, let me start by asking about how you got interested in writing about the Civil War. I gather this is, is was not your day job to write history, is that correct? Uh, right. Um, I graduated in history, but uh, I uh, eventually wound up in the semiconductor industry and uh, spent, uh, I don't know, 25 years there. And um, But I've, I've read history my whole life. And uh, um, when I finally had the time to do something about it, I wrote a regimental history of a of a New York cavalry regiment some years ago. And then um, I got interested. To all the battles to me seemed to be, and campaigns seemed to be, uh, already written about uh, in excess. So I, I started looking at the veteran side of it after the war. And, um, there is some uh, rather deep uh, work out there on that issue. <clears throat> so what I decided to do was try to write an, uh, an introduction to the whole subject of Union veterans. 
uh, focusing on what they chose to write about and uh, in a, to a lesser degree about the veterans' pensions issues that were so uh, important to them in the decades following. You mentioned there's, there, there's been some, some deep work on the veterans. I'm thinking people like uh, Brian Matthew Jordan has written a book yeah. on veterans. And, in fact, uh, Professor Jordan writes the foreword for your book. How did you get connected with him? Well, the publisher, <clears throat> um, while the book was in process, the publisher came to me uh, as an afterthought and said, could you recommend someone? Uh, to uh, write a forward. And I hadn't given it any thought until they asked me that question. But I had written, I had, uh, I had read uh, Marching Home. Mm-hmm. Uh, his uh, book that, uh, I don't know, uh, maybe three or four years old. I had a copy of it and I had read it. And... Um, so I gave the, the publisher his name, and he was gracious enough to uh, to write uh, to sign up to it right away. What? Well, um, uh, go ahead. I I, I enjoy his work. Uh, I've I've read a couple of other things by him, and he I uh, I uh, I think he's uh, uh, you know a first-rate historian on this subject. No, I'd, absolutely, I would agree with that. He's, he's been on this show a couple times. Uh, Brian's a very good, uh, interesting historian. Uh, his first book, I think, was his even before his dissertation, his book on South Mountain, and then he he's had others, and, and uh, recently writing about Union soldiers, so very timely to bring him in here. Uh, in, in your introduction, you talk about how you got interested in in reading and writing about the Civil War and uh, use the metaphor about falling into a deep hole. Uh, I, I guess a lot of us have experienced that. How did that happen for you? Um, basically what happened was um, when I was looking for something to, to write about, I, I, I came across this um, um, series of letters from uh, uh, a colonel of the 5th New York uh, Cavalry, and that uh, eventually wound up being a a whole regimental history, and I was so deep into into things going on in Virginia campaigns and so on that I decided just to stick with with the project. I, uh, in in the way of you of going to the veterans, um, I I hadn't really been a Civil War buff to the to any great degree. I, when I did concentrate on civil on Southern history, it was always uh, the New South and uh, uh, the antebellum period, and I I never really particularly. Uh, cared for the campaigns and the battles and the generals and so on. But writing the cavalry history and then writing this book, uh, I got so immersed in it that, uh, I mean, uh, it was a 
uh, I don't do much anything else now, but but um, research in uh, topics related to that, the Civil War in general. The uh, now you are located in in Idaho, is that correct? Yes. So Which there's makes research rather difficult. Well, that was my question. How how do you handle that? Uh, well, the internet is the primary area where I can pull uh, books and documents down. Um, I have I don't know how many books I've actually had to buy. Um, but basically, my basic research tool is the is archives.org, where I can pull out of out of uh, copyright uh, books down from there and onto my computer and then read them there. And I've been able to get some some material out of the Southern History Collection at, at UMC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that really is, has changed the world of, of doing Civil War research. I can recall getting uh, county histories and regimental histories for uh, a book I wrote 20 years ago on the Army of the Ohio and doing it by driving from state to state, going to libraries and archives and, and getting copies and then usually having mm-hmm. to just you know copy the you know photocopy the pages I needed and now I, I could access all of those books pretty much online uh, uh, at no cost uh, it's definitely a different world we live in well we're going to take a short break and then I'm going to come back and ask you about uh, uh, about this book the these uh, what your research has found about the uh, the soldiers who served in the Army of the Potomac, what it was they chose to remember, how they chose to tell it, who they were talking to. There's lots to ask. Uh, the book we're talking about is called Voices of the Army of the Potomac, Personal Reminiscences of Union Veterans. The author is Vincent L. Burns. Vinny is our guest tonight. I'm Jerry Prokopovich. This is Civil War Talk Radio. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips offers a psychological perspective on coping with common and current life issues. This show addresses topics as varied as marital stress, insomnia, depression, raising teens, campus violence, and building self-resilience. Listen in as Dr. Phillips and her guest experts share the latest in books, findings, and information that will inform and enhance your life journey. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Today, many doctors prescribe basic pharmaceuticals to their patients who aren't feeling well or have various aches or pains. Is this the right course of action for all patients? We don't think so. Find out about healthy, natural ways to help you feel your best by tuning in to the CBD Ed Show with host Ed Cheney. Ed and his guests will explain full-spectrum CBD, using the whole hemp plant for good health and answer all of your questions about CBD and natural treatment in general. Listen Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Variety. Streaming live. 
the leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Civil War Talk Radio. If you have a question or comment about our program, please send an email to prokopovichg at ecu dot edu. That's P-R-O-K-O-P-O-W-I-C-Z-G at ecu dot edu. Now, back to Civil War Talk Radio. And welcome back to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich. Talking today with Vincent L. Burns, author of Voices of the Army of the Potomac, Personal Reminiscences of Union Veterans. Uh, we've been talking about uh, the the idea for, for a book like this, uh, focusing on the voices of uh, veterans. So this, um, Vinny, you said you wrote a, a regimental history of New York Cavalry Regiment, and then uh, got interested in, in, in the veterans picture, what what drew you to the veterans' side of the story? Um, I, I I believe that basically uh, everything else about the Army of the Potomac had been written about from its formation through Appomattox, and there was not very much that I could see or think of to add to that body of work that's already there. So I, I I went looking for something that happened after, and I found several books that are uh, extremely detailed in the life and times of the veterans in the decades following. I wanted to put an overview or an introduction to that topic between two covers. And what I wound up doing was letting the the people who wrote all of these memoirs and regimental histories and so on uh, speak of their experiences while the war was going on. And... I had to take into account some wrote immediately after the war, some during the war, but others waited many decades before they uh, got around to writing anything. But they all knew that they had lived through a significant historical event and that, that was not only important to the nation, obviously, but uh, to them personally. So I uh, I tried to gather together their stories uh, and put them put them in some sort of reasonable order. Um, I didn't want to focus entirely on battles. I wanted to focus on what they remembered of the battle or and wrote down or what they chose to remember and write down and then they published would publish it in their memoirs or in regimental histories and um, that was basically it I wanted to include some of the fighting but I wanted also to 
go into other aspects of the uh, of the Civil War experience as they as they uh, as they lived it. So I try to get a few humorous things in there, and a, as well as uh, a lot of the carnage. I um, I soon came to realize that not only was the most it was the war was the most important part of their lives, but they were. Um, Wanted it. Uh, they wanted to strive for an accurate record of it after they had passed on, and uh, their remembrances were uh, were important to them. Not only because of the uh, the fate of the nation was involved, but because of the just the, the horrific cost in in lives. Uh, that nothing like it had been seen. Uh, I, I couldn't. I can't come up with a uh, a case where there was this many killed. Not to mention uh, the wounded and the the, uh, the mentally affected of it after after it was all over. So that's where I was trying to focus. So the uh, the fact that you rely on, on the words that these men wrote, I, th I think is interesting. Uh, you mentioned regimental histories. Uh, what? How do you define a, a regimental history? Uh, this is one of those questions where I know what you're talking about, you know what you're talking about. Um, for a new listener, what, what, what makes... Uh, these are not just... It's not just a book about a regiment, uh, but these are specific kinds of books. Can you talk about them? Well... I, I called it the basic, the regiment being the basic building block of the of the, of the Potomac Army. Mm -hmm. The men were uh, obviously uh, became close while they were in the service, and when they when it came time to leave, they wanted to maintain some sort of a, uh, relationship. So they and many of them formed associations of this regiment or that regiment, and so on. And they held reunions, and they held uh, um, uh, Memorial Day services, and so on. And uh, many of them, these regiments were formed in local areas of a given state. So um, they didn't come from all, all over the, the nation, but uh, one piece of New York or one piece of Massachusetts most of these regiments, so they, been, they were able to remain in contact. And eventually, as these, these gatherings uh, of reunions and so on, they all came to want to put in place uh, a record of their unit, whatever number or whatever state it came from. And... Um, Would, uh, they would choose someone, and he would start on a regimental history, or they would form a committee and have the several people work together, and they'd gather letters and reminiscences from other individuals and weave them into their story. And um, uh, 
frankly, I, I, there's like 700, maybe 800 of these regimental histories um, out there where I, uh, you can just pick one and decide whether the, it's, a, it's a good rendering of the Civil War from the regimental standpoint or it isn't. And some aren't. They're clearly not, not any good. Well, what what makes uh, regimental history better or worse in in your view? But a, a, a focus on a, on a smaller group of individuals rather than an entire army. Uh, typically, there are uh, as the history is told, uh, one individual will. Put his reminiscence into the into the history that may run, you know, four, five, six pages, and then the regimental history will go on to the next episode and so on. And these individuals weave their stories into their personal stories into the overall uh, uh, flow of the regiment's history through the four years. I. Uh, I came across a great deal of that, uh, where uh, the, hit, the regimental history would stop, and one individual would add his reminiscence, and then mm-hmm. the history would start again after he got done talking. So, how reliable are these as historical sources, do you think? The my 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 view of it is the more detail that's thrown into an individual's uh, reminiscence, the more the the more likely it's to be, the more factual it's, it's apt to be. But it, it, in general speaking, you, you you just have to take what you know about the the history of the the event or the battle or what have you, and then line that up against the facts as uh, detailed by the individual and begin to make choices on what you, what may or may not be accurate. You, you, you're, you're making choices all the time. Right. Uh, well, one of the let me ask one of the choices I I really enjoyed in this book was uh, to illustrate the, some of the points you're making about reliability of sources and 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 uh, the power of individual memory. You sort of return uh, periodically to the story of the the Sixth New York Cavalry. Which is yeah. not the regiment you wrote about earlier, uh, I gather, but uh, a different one. And you say, for example, the Sixth New York Cavalry is in Buford's division. Everybody listening to the show knows uh, that Buford's cavalry was there on the first day at Gettysburg. Uh, that that's the kind of audience we have here. So so we know that the Sixth New York is going to be involved in the first day at Gettysburg. Surely that's the most uh, dramatic and significant event in the history of the unit, but you show that that's not the case. That that they they find something else more interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, can you talk about that? What 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 drew their attention? Um, the, 
uh, Lieutenant Colonel Duncan McVicker was uh, in command of the 6th New York um, from somewhere in early uh, 1863. And he was a very, uh, he was Scotch. He's a Scotch immigrant. And um, uh, everybody liked him. He was uh, uh, very competent. Uh, he was a good leader, and all the things that men under, serving under him uh, thought were uh, uh, what a, a good commanding officer should be. Mm-hmm. Um, on April 30th, they were uh, the, uh, the Army of Potomac was in the wilderness at Chancellorville trying to uh, get organized, and the they were sent out on a scouting mission to Spotsylvania Courthouse, or in the direction thereof. And they ran into several regiments of Jeb Stewart's cavalry. And it was a fight, and McVicker was killed. In the regimental history that they, the, the veterans of the 6th put together, they put in, they had 20 pages in this. Of this uh, this action, uh, this episode, <clears throat> excuse me. A month a month later, they're at Gettysburg in that opening cavalry action with a brief but holding off the, you know, uh, two corps of a uh, of a uh, Lee's army. They devoted nine pages to that. Okay, and um, so I, I'm looking ahead, and they went so far to interview um, Confederate veterans that were in the skirmish or the action at Chancellorsville. Um, they visited the site again. They even recovered some... Uh, um, uh, a couple of uh, battle flags that uh, one of the, the one um, Confederate uh, officer had t- captured after the uh, the battle was over the next day. So it, to them, it was more important about what happened to that one commanding officer than the tremendous fight they put up on July first at Gettysburg. I thought that was just a, a fascinating part of the book that that they uh, they describe in detail, and you 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 share what they wrote the the tactical detail of how this unit gets uh, goes on a scouting mission, the confusion of what their orders are, uh, how they oh, yeah. encounter the rebels, how they uh, uh, charge through the rebel line, and then the effort they go to the as you just described to afterwards uh, in in years later to to find out what happened to get uh, Confederate views of the same action and and this really does speak to how the the soldiers what they thought was important is not necessarily what we today think was important we would all focus on you know that first day at gettysburg ever that's a famous this was just an incidental sideline at, at chancellorsville but to them well, that, I, was, I, that was the main story you know i always thought that that that, that capital reaction on july 1st was uh, uh I always thought it was uh, 
one of the highlights, uh, if such a thing can happen, uh, in the Civil War, when, when, you know, there was Buford's men, and then there were thousands of Confederate troops advancing on them. It, it was a, a really gutsy pull, I have to admit. But I, when I found that the veterans of the 6th New York didn't think so, you know, I said, well, this has got to get worked into the story somehow. You know? Yeah, I, I think it, it's, a, it's a great part of the story that the... Uh, uh, it, if, if there's a main character in the book, I would say it's the 6th New York Cavalry. They, they they pop up here and there, and they keep illustrating what you're talking about uh, uh, as examples. Uh, another example that you give is a, a, a casualty, a different casualty in the regiment, uh, who, who is, is killed in 1864, and how the, uh, again, you get different pieces of evidence, the letters written home to the family, and and just how it, it makes it very personal, very uh, really brings the story to uh, to a personal level. Well, one of the um, great resources as far as New York State is concerned is the New York State Military Museum, mm. and their uh, online uh, documentation of units out of the out of the war. Uh, it's quite quite remarkable. And I found the story of Samuel Fanshawe of the 6th New York Cavalry embedded in, in the, at their website. And um, I was able to follow it up to a point. Uh, and he had a friend who was later part of the committee that wrote the, the, the regimental history. Vinny, I'm going to step in. We're going to take a short break again. We're going to come back, talk more about your book, Voices of the Army of the Potomac, Personal Reminiscences of Union Veterans. We're talking tonight with author Vincent L. Burns. I'm Jerry Prokopovich. This is Civil War Talk Radio. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Civil War Talk Radio. 
If you have a question or comment about our program, please send an email to prokopovichg at ecu dot edu. That's P-R-O-K-O-P-O-W-I-C-Z-G at ecu dot edu. Now, back to Civil War Talk Radio. And welcome back to Civil War Talk Radio. Jerry Prokopovich talking tonight with Vincent L. Burns, author of Voices of the Army of the Potomac, Personal Reminiscences of Union Veterans. Uh, Vinny, we were just talking about the story of Samuel Fanshawe. You were telling us about him. He's a member of the 6th New York Cavalry, and you, you said you were able to find some of his story from the uh, the New York uh, website? Yes. Um, uh, the New York Military Museum uh, has every New York regiment uh, online with their, 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 their various stories. Some are more detailed than others. And I was looking through the sixth one time, and I came across the, uh, a subcategory under that, under that regiment called the Samuel Fanshawe Collection. Hmm. And uh, so I went in and looked at it, and it it gave me the beginning of the story of his service in the, with the with the cavalry. Later on, when I got the the, the history, uh, the regimental history of the Sixth New York, I discovered that one of the authors of that book was a close friend of Samuel Banshaw. In fact, there's a letter in the book by him to Samuel's father. Hmm. That's how close the, he, they were to... Uh, he. This guy, Gilbert Wood, was to the Banshaw family. In fact, uh, at a later date, uh, Gilbert Wood married one of um, Samuel's sisters. Hmm. And um, and believe it, and settled in uh, Tom's River, New Jersey. The reason I'm laughing at that is my wife is from Tom's River, New Jersey. Ah. <laughs> so, so the um, uh, go ahead, please. Well, I, I, I in the last chapter of the book, I tried to bring the story full circle about uh, Gilbert Wood and. Uh, uh, what actually happened in the action where Samuel was uh, was uh, was killed, and that I tried to put that little skirmish uh, action together in some reliable form, and made a sort of made a conclusion of the uh, the, the story of this one soldier. You make the point at several places in the book that. You know, historians wrestle with pieces of conflicting evidence or incomplete evidence. Uh, now, the the dust jacket says you have a master's degree in history from University of Memphis. You, you've studied uh, you know, history un, under professionals. Um, how does what, what's your experience with that? With with that in the Civil War context of of wrestling with that kind of incomplete or contradictory evidence. Um, the more you, the more immaterial you can gather about one particular incident, 
the the message or the the way the the various documents are put together uh, so that when you see them, do you have a, a sense that this seems more believable than the other document that is is not as specific in terms of what it's doing, what it what it's trying to explain. I'm going for detail. The more detail seems to me to be the more accurate. Now, not always the case, but it can be. It seems to be. Mm-hmm. And then again, I come back to a judgment. Uh, a historian's got to make weigh all of the evidence and say, okay, this is a this is the way it most likely happened. And you put that down and uh, wait for anybody to object to it. Yeah, it's a dialectical process. We, we, we make our arguments and someone else makes a different argument and hopefully we come up with a better synthesis and everything works, works out. Uh, as I was reading your book, I was thinking a lot about uh, a book by Robert Hunt that he wrote on the Army of the Cumberland and its veterans. And his book was uh, it was called The Good Men Who Won the War and Served in the Army of the Cumberland, something like that. It was a lengthy title, but a, a, he wrote his book based almost entirely from regimental histories. And this was significant because starting... I don't know, 10, 15, even 20 years ago, more and more historians began to become skeptical about regimental histories for, for many of the reasons you, you elaborate on in your book, that there's a lot of time that passes, uh, that they're mm-hmm. writing for different audiences, that these may not be the most accurate uh, uh, guides to what exactly happened. And, and Hunt, in his book, uh, doesn't isn't arguing, here's what the Army of the Cumberland did, he argues that these regimental histories show us what the veterans wanted us to know when they wrote them 20, 30, 35 years later. Uh, yeah. Did you did you get that sense that this was the veterans trying to talk to us? Um, in, in, yes, in two, senses, in two senses of this. What they're trying to talk about is so, was so horrific that they would rather not talk about it. So they'll choose to write about something else close to it, but not exactly, you know. Mm-hmm. And some uh, uh, others, uh, there's just not enough uh, records of memory to uh, to put together an accurate picture, you know. I recall one time, uh, uh, it was about the Battle of Fredericksburg, uh, where this this fellow, I think his name was Smith, he was writing a, a regimental history of a, a Massachusetts resident. Mm-hmm. And he just says, as far as the, uh, the battle is concerned, it would be unprofitable uh, to dwell on the, the, you know, the hideous uh, carnage that took place on December 13th from so on. So he moves on to another subject, and he skips the entire battle. You know, practically all all of it. You know, it was. Yeah. Uh, it, it, 
that's why I, I try to I I try to emphasize re, that they recalled or they chose to recall. Mm-hmm. So that they that now the other hand on the other hand they they wouldn't be they would occasionally make something up to fill in the gap because uh, of uh, the time from when the action happened and the time they wrote their reports that they would just say well it probably went like this kind of a thing and. Um, Sometimes it's just impossible to decide whether the guy is being totally accurate or he's mm-hmm. he's working around the issue so he can get on to whatever else is, happens afterwards. Let me ask you this. I, I often ask guests uh, to take a trip in the Civil War talk radio time machine go back mm-hmm. to the Civil War for 30 minutes and ask who they would like to visit. Let me ask you a slightly different version of that given all the times that you describe events where you where you say we have conflicting evidence we don't know is there one was there one thing you came across where you really wish you could just go back and see what what did actually happen where, where you had where, where the question was so open you if you could go back for 30 minutes and see it yourself that's what you'd want to find out the um the one that comes immediately to mind, and uh, half more than 30 minutes would be required, but <laughs> what, what actually happened on uh, the night before the July 1st uh, action by Buford? Hmm. Where was Buford? What was he doing? And I basically, I would just like to have followed him around, but the record is so... Uh, Scant, but I, I uh, you really can't do it. I can only put them in a couple of places the whole n- late afternoon, night of June thirtieth, and then the morning of the July one. But there's confusion among the records about whether he actually consulted with John Reynolds down the road at Mervitz Tavern, or. Mm-hmm. He didn't, or he sent a uh, a courier down, and uh, it was got to a point of confusion. Or I had to sort of say, uh, you know, uh, he was look, he was seen here by one witness, but at the same time, he was apparently in the town of Gettysburg, uh, consulting with. Um, his two brigade commanders. That uh, I'd like to know the, what actually happened there. Yeah, I, that, I always thought that was. I always thought that action was uh, was uh, uh, commendable, to say the least. It, it is a great story. I I had the fortunate experience a couple of years ago of being able to go up in the the cupola of the the seminary and get the view that Buford had of the whole countryside and. Uh, it's just, it brings home what, what a remarkable job of leadership he did with his cavalry. And uh, I'm sure you've seen Kent Masterson's Brown re- Brown's recent book on, on Meade at Gettysburg, where he argues uh, about how Reynolds, making a reconnaissance in force, uh, knew what he was doing, and Buford knew what he was doing. And it, it, it's 
uh, talks about this, but it would it would be wonderful to be able to go back and get that resolved. Are you working on uh, another book? Do you have another history project in mind? Well, I've been uh, been digging into a couple of records uh, of um, I don't I, I, that's it's a tough one. I I'm I'm still digging. But uh, <laughs> I was thinking more of um, uh, Justin Kilpatrick's epi- uh, escapades uh, during the um, march to Savannah, march to the sea, and then up through uh, uh, the Carolinas. He, uh, I, I would say that would be a very interesting book. Uh, and and one that I suspect would get a lot of readers. The uh, it, it, and, and that carries through a theme you've got in this book, where you, I, said, I mentioned you look at the Sixth New York Cavalry and you look at the Army of the Potomac's cavalry in in, in general. Uh, they they appear a lot, and that's a story that really hasn't been told perhaps as much as as it ought to be. We are just about at the end of our time, uh, unfortunately. It's been a pleasure talking with you. Uh, Listeners, the book we're talking about is called Voices of the Army of the Potomac, Personal Reminiscences of Union Veterans, written by Vincent L. Burns, who's been our guest tonight. Vinny, thank you so much for joining me on Civil War Talk Radio. Uh, I've I've enjoyed it immensely. Thank you, Jerry. And listeners, as always, thank you for listening to Civil War Talk Radio. Thank you for embarking on a part of American history this week. Civil War Talk Radio with Jerry Prokopovich can be heard live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a good week.